FOPMX Network Production. A new view from inside the truck. X-Racer to Racer and Eye to Eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires and brought to you by Blenzall and Fly Racing. And it's time for episode two. This is Industry Seating and I am your host, Jason Thomas. Do a little radio voice there, but this is the second episode of these and we, we survived. We got through Anaheim 1. It's a pretty incredible weekend. Uh, if you've never been to Anaheim 1, I mentioned last week, you really have to try to make it out there sometime. There's simply no other Supercross like it. It is so different and the atmosphere is so unique at that event that, man, I, I, I don't know that I can really put it into words. Um, for me, I'm not even racing and I'm nervous going in. There's just so much anticipation and, you know, I have a lot of projects going on between the Rocky Mountain VIP program that I run and then um, all the fly racing athletes that we're trying to make sure are, are ready to go and then obviously the team and, uh, you know, fly racing and WPS being a big sponsor. So we have these huge activation points where we want to make sure we put our best foot forward. And there's just a lot of things that culminate all day one, and you never really know how it's going to go. And luckily, luckily for me, I don't have to race anymore and put myself through that meat grinder. But there's still nerves, and you still are. I'm still antsy when I wake up on Saturday morning before I won. But I'll tell you what: you get through all these things, you go through the day, and you're watching practice, and things are you know going smoothly. They're all, they always go smoother than you think they're going to. And then you sit down for opening ceremonies at 6.30 local time, and holy crap, it's so great to be there. It's so exciting, and all the work you've put in and all your, you know, all your coworkers and teammates and everybody that has done, it's all worth it. So it's an exciting time. It's nerve-wracking time, all the, you know, but for me, at this point in my life, now I'm seven years retired, it's just exciting more than anything. I love being a fan of the sport, and I love being able to sit there and just take it all in. And just as a fan, watch opening ceremonies and watch all these cool videos and just be nervous for the riders and wonder who I'm going to pick on my fantasy team and how they're going to do, which we'll get into that. Uh, but it's just such a cool sport, and there is there is nothing like A1. So having said that, let's talk about the race a little bit. Uh, what a crazy night. Uh, unexpected results, which you know we talked about. If you listen to any of our Pulp MX shows, if you listen to this podcast – We've repeated several times that you really never know what you're going to get at A1. It's always the unexpected result. It's always strange, unpredictable. Uh, I mentioned last week that only seven times in the history of A1 has that winner gone on to win the title. So that means that most times the, the champion is just kind of laying back in the weeds or has a poor weekend or is nervous or whatever. Uh, and that, that seemed like it may have happened to a few guys this weekend. Uh, only Justin Barsha can can buck that trend, I guess. Um, but yeah, it definitely felt like there were a few guys that let the moment get the best of them this weekend. So speaking of Barsha, holy cow, what a night for him. Uh, I didn't see that coming. I knew he would be pretty good. He has a history of doing well at a one. Obviously last year he was your winner, but in the mud, you always kind of wonder like, does that really matter? Or is that kind of an outlier? It wasn't an outlier this weekend. He was on it all day. 
I mean, he absolutely dominated his heat race. And then the main event was he earned every bit of it. Yeah, okay, AC made a mistake, but don't forget, Barsha had the mistake first to allow AC into the lead. So he proved a lot there. Um, you know, he, he had mentioned to Steve Mathis, which I, I've said also, this is a contract here for him, and he doesn't want to ride off into the sunset. He wants to keep racing, and he wants to do it at a high level. So for a level of a team that he wants and, and the contract amount he wants, he's going to have to put results out just like he did, and that's the first step. I mean, you want to you make a statement, go out and ride like that and win A1. Uh, that's pretty crazy. So uh, I know there's a, there's a tradition of uh, Yamaha winning A1 every uh, turn of the decade. So they kept that streak going, which is unbelievable. It's pretty awesome. Uh, but man, what a ride. And I, I will be honest, I did not see that coming. I thought it'd be good. You know, I top five wouldn't, wouldn't shock me, but to go out and ride like that and to win the race, I just didn't see that coming. So good job for him. He deserves all the credit in the world. I'm sure that he's, you know, would like to rub it in everybody's face, all the naysayers. Um, and that's, that's the right you get when you go win like that. So good for him. Great job. Uh, the problem is now you got to back it up. You go into St. Louis with the red plate. I'm sure he's loving it. He has no problem with that. He's he's a pretty outgoing guy. I doubt he's uh, he's stressing about that in the least. So, great job. Um, AC, <laughs> what a day for that kid. Uh, as you guys probably know, I, I've you know I'm from Florida, right? So I've been around Adam Cincerillo or at least got to see him most of his life racing a motorcycle. Um, I have pictures going back, whether it's 10 years or, you know, almost 20 years of AC riding a dirt bike. And I was just, you know, right alongside him, either practicing at the same tracks or watching him ride or at local races with him. So, you know, even though I don't talk to him as much as I'd like, I'm a huge fan. I'm an AC fan. Uh, and to go into his first ever 450 A1 and to perform like that says a lot. Uh, he was so good in practice. And for those of you who didn't get to go or couldn't really watch race day live or the, the, uh, qualifying broadcast, just looking at the lap times, I'm sure you got an idea, but I can't say, and I can't even describe how awesome he was in practice effortless. I mean, he was turning in lap after lap after lap that were better than everybody else's, you know, flyer lap where they were just hanging it out. And he didn't look like he was trying. That was the cool thing. And we spoke about this at our fly racing radio show uh, that we do in the pits every uh, every Saturday afternoon. If you're at a race this year, please come by. It's usually right after the last practice of the day. But we spoke about this, about just the way he looked. Um, it's one thing to go out and be fast all day, but to really not look like you're having to put a lot of effort into it and no real big mistakes. Or He didn't look like he was taking chances, which is kind of the, the norm for those qualifying sessions. Everybody's just going for it and wants to wants to have their name at the top. Uh, he was doing it. And like I said, didn't look like it was so hard for him, but that was the big question we had was all of that. Does that make it harder for him to perform that night? You know, cause he really came in, he didn't have a lot of pressure on him. I don't think, uh, but that pressure probably built throughout the day. Every time you go out there and you set the fastest lap like that internally and externally the expectation level goes up and that's just a natural occurrence that's not something anybody was doing on purpose i really don't believe that kawasaki is pressuring him at all i think they just wanted him to learn um but yeah it's just it naturally happens you go out there and you're fastest every time well sure yeah we expect you to do really well so for him to take that that unexpected pressure and then perform the way he did uh he was just great all night 
had a really good chance of winning, made one big mistake, but then fought back and was right there at the end. Uh, I thought it spoke volumes about his maturity level. Uh, I think that the people around him, Nick Way and, and all the people in his corner are doing a good job of keeping him grounded. And even if there is, you know, pressure from, let's say, just the common man or public of thinking he's going to win, I think they're doing a good job of keeping his head straight and, and understanding what the situation is, that they don't have to go out and win. Just let the races come to you. You know, if, you, if you're if you in a position to do really well, great. If you have a tough weekend, so what? You know, you're, you're in a good spot. Um, he's already proven himself. He's had two 450 races, and he's been fantastic at both of them. So, to think that he's not going to be able to have his choice of where he wants to end up in 2021 would be pretty foolish, at least the way, that's the way it looks at this point. So it'll be interesting to see where this season goes for him. I wouldn't be shocked to see him win multiple races after the way he looked this weekend. Um, to win the title, I don't know. You know, he, I think Cooper Webb was incredibly good this weekend, even in the face of a lot of adversity with he had the flu, he looked terrible in practice, and then, oh yeah, he ended up third, right? Uh, so it's going to be a challenge for AC to come in and win the title his first year, but man, I can't stress enough how great he looked all day and all night and mature. He looked really mature, even in the face of a few mistakes, he, he really rebounded nicely. So great job to AC and what a welcome addition to a 450 class. That's already super deep. Uh, speaking of Cooper Webb, <laughs> he did it again. Uh, I've talked about it. I've wrote about it, you know, 2019 for him was a year of absolutely overcoming adversity. Every single time I thought he was going to give points away, go back to Detroit. Uh, there were several races where I'm like, oh, boy, he's in big trouble here. He's going to give away 10 points. No. No, he either won or got on the podium or you know made up points on his competitors. Well, he did it again this weekend. Uh, he had the flu. Zach Osborne had the flu. And, and they train together, ride together, lift together, ride, you know, cycle together. So if one of them gets something, odds are they're both going to get it. Just – you know, because they're in the same vicinity doing all these things together. So they both had the flu. Uh, Webb looked terrible. He sounded terrible. All his interviews, I really didn't think it was going to go well for him. And even when he was running pretty well during the main event, I'm like, man, he's he's going to suffer at the end of this main event because he's he just doesn't have the strength to fight forward when everybody else is going to be strong. Well, he proved me wrong there. He was great. He moved forward. Okay, yes, he didn't win. Yes, he got beat by his rival Adam Cincerillo, but given the circumstances, he came in, he got on the podium, he rode really steadily, and look at last year. He got fifth at this race last year, so he's already a step ahead of where he was last year, and he had to overcome a mountain of adversity all day long and all night. So I fear for the field uh, the way Cooper Webb looked. Uh, He was very, very impressive, even with a third. Uh, and we're going to get into the power ranking. Uh, I have weighed that heavily in his power ranking. Uh, another guy that I had my eye on, and he was actually my pick to win, was Kenny Roxon. And um, what just a weird day for Kenny. He was he was good, right? But he didn't have crazy intensity. He never really blew my mind at any point during the day, which is is strange for Kenny. Kenny always does something during the day that I'm like, wow, that was impressive. I just didn't see that from him on Saturday, and uh, he made mention today on social media, I'm recording this on Sunday, that he had his bike super stiff, and that he did that to, uh, he even made mention to avoid, he, he said for, sa- I forget what he said, safety reasons, but what he was alluding to is when he crashed in 2017, 
Uh, he just got super low in, in the shock stroke, and it basically bucked him over the bars. Uh, so he's trying to avoid that. He's trying to keep his bike super stiff, and so it doesn't have that vicious rebound and send him into an endo. So he he made mention that that's, his bike's really difficult to ride when it's that stiff as the track gets rough, and he's he's 100% right. At, with a super stiff bike, if the track is beat up and bumpy and, and deteriorating, your bike is handles terribly in that scenario. So I, I could absolutely relate to what he was saying. You just wonder if it's uh, if it was the wisest thing in the world to not make adjustments to it because he, he knew all too well that the track was going to break down in the main event. He just seemed like he opted for the safer route. He ended up with an okay result. You know, it wasn't great. Um, gave some points away, no doubt about that. Uh, but yeah, it was it was interesting to get a little bit of insight into his his mo, if you will, as to his approach to the race. So. I think he'll get better moving forward. Um, it wasn't a terrible start to the season, but honestly, I, I picked him to win the race, so that kind of tells you where I was going in, and, and he probably could have been a little better than that, if I'm being honest, but I don't want to be too hard on these guys, especially at A1. A1's just so strange, as I I always mention. Uh, I don't ever really like to make hard conclusions from A1 based on that. Uh, we just have very rarely been able to draw a great picture of what the season's going to look like leaving the first round of the series. So I don't think 2020 will be any different. Moving on, Eli Tomac. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, people. Um, he looked okay all day, not flashy, decent. I mean, the heat race wasn't anything spectacular at all. Uh, he was kind of riding around back there. The main event was more of the same. He mentioned to... Uh, a few people, uh, I think, believe MX Vice, maybe Aaron Hansel at Racer X. Uh, I can't remember exactly all who, but someone in there, he mentioned that he had arm pump, which he's fought off and on his whole career, right? So it doesn't blow me away that he had arm pump again, but you just got to wonder, man, when when is it ever going to come together, if ever, at A1 or these early races? Because now you see he leaves with a seventh place, not great for a one, um, gave a bunch of points away. He's already behind, you know, Cooper Webb and, and he even finished behind Kenny Roxon. And we talked about how, how average Ken, Kenny's night was. So just a strange race. Uh, I'm sure he wasn't thrilled at how good his teammate was all day. He's always been the alpha dog in that, you know, monster energy Kawasaki truck. He certainly wasn't on Saturday. So how does that dynamic shift? Is there any, does he care? That'll be interesting to watch. Um, I don't think we'll see a lot of drama or anything over there, but it's certainly a little, a little bit different than what it's ever been over there where he's, I don't want to say second fiddle because I don't think that's the case, but when you come in and you're, you're second inside your own truck every time you know they're looking at results or the lap times, that's not a great feeling. So look for a bounce back from Eli. I think he'll come out and be a little bit more aggressive at St. Louis. Uh, the dirt is going to be extremely tacky at St. Louis with the uh, the winter weather there. So his uh, his aggression will be up. He'll be able to get more aggressive. Uh, we'll see if he can shake off the arm pump and bounce back. Behind those guys, uh, Justin Brayton was in there. Kind of a you know great day, although the result wasn't that awesome for Brayton. Uh, the heat race was phenomenal. He rode well, won the heat race. I mean, what else can you ask for? He's coming off a really long offseason, a ton of racing, really successful offseason, you know, both uh, just rewarding personally and financially. In the main event, he rode extremely well. 
um, it seemed like when he got past, the dam kind of broke. And it was unfortunate that he fell because Anderson got up the inside of him and he wasn't expecting that. But you just wonder if that offseason took its toll a little bit. And I wonder this because I, I always felt it in my own racing is just my energy and my fitness it was good, but I definitely felt all those weeks and months of being on an airplane and flying all over the world. And, you know, it's taxing. It's going to take a toll on your body and your preparation. You know, I think for 10 laps, 10 minutes even, Brayton's right up there. Um, but, yeah, when it, when it really comes down to it and you have to stay right at the razor's edge for 21 minutes, I don't know. I, I wonder if he's going to be able to stay at his peak potential because I think he can go with Roxon and those guys even Cincerillo um when he's at a full sprint but it's the last few minutes where you know the, the results are really going to be made and we saw that this weekend he just gave up a tiny bit to those guys and it ended up costing him several positions he was able to hold off uh Malcolm Stewart for eighth place for all you fantasy nerds out there that was big because he was a minus two handicap and uh, that paid double points which I was one of those guys so I was desperately hoping for, for him to hang in there, which he did. Uh, but I think there are big things to come from, from Brayton. Uh, he, his starts were great. His first laps were great. You know, you can see that he's had a lot of gate drops, so his intensity's right up there already. He's not. He didn't seem like he was working through the bugs that Tomac and Roxon and some of these guys were. And that's just gate drops. That's just the, that racing experience that he's been putting himself through. The other side of that is what I was alluding to is, is there going to be drawbacks? Is he going to suffer a little bit fitness-wise? And as the series drags on, we get into March, April, May, is this really long season that he's already in the middle of going to have a lasting effect? So we'll see. You know, we're one race in. Uh, I thought it was a really good weekend for Brayton, even though maybe the results aren't what he wanted. He certainly had a you know a strong day winning a heat race putting yourself on tv running in the top three for a lot of the main event those are all really positive things so something to build from no matter what Mookie as I mentioned uh I don't know what to make of Mookie's day he didn't jump off the page to me at any point I didn't think he had uh the kind of day where everybody was talking about him in the pits like we've seen at, at points but, but it was a good day. You know, he was fourth in timed qualification. Uh, his heat race, he didn't get a good start. He was kind of in the mix with a few guys, got wrapped up with Freezy at one point. Um, so it wasn't anything, you know, mind-blowing. And then the main event, he was kind of mired in the back and then was chasing Brayton at the end. So nothing really to write home about for Mookie, but a, a positive start. You know, ninth place is, is fine. I think better days are ahead of him. I do think you're going to see him challenging people at the front. I think you're going to have people out of their seats with Mookie Fever. That's just how he rolls. I've had it. I Man, he does things that are just out of this world on a motorcycle. We didn't really get a lot of that this Saturday, uh, but it's coming. It's just, how, it's just what he does. So I, I don't think we're going to get away from that. Hopefully, we can get a whole season of, of Malcolm Stewart. That would be the goal. We only got two races last year. That was a bummer. But, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be in this thing. You know, Remember last year, I know I mentioned this in the other podcast, he almost won the first race, and then he was battling for the lead in the second race and got hurt. So a little bit of a, a step backwards as far as running at the front this year. But, um, like I said, better days ahead for Mookie. 
Blake Baggett I skipped over, but good day for Blake. Uh, as you know, I'm really close to that team. I, um, I host a VIP program uh, for the Rocky Mountain KTM WPS team. And so, yeah, we're around that truck all day long. And uh, A1's been very challenging for that team in the past. I'm talking like not even inside the top 10 challenging. Uh, they, they're scratching their heads and changing all kinds of parts on the bike and nothing's working and they don't know where to go or what to do or what's wrong and arm pump and just literally everything you can think of that adversity-wise on a one, they faced it. This year, it wasn't like that. I felt a calm around the truck. Uh, his lap times weren't great in, you know, in the afternoon, but they knew kind of what to do. It seemed like they had answers this year where last year and, and prior years, they, they were kind of guessing at it, uh, which is never a good thing. Uh, you never want to be guessing as to where you're going to go with the bike or what you're going to do it for the night show. Uh, they had a pretty good plan going into the night. I, I'll be honest, I didn't expect him to be fourth place and moving forward. I didn't see that coming. I love it. That's awesome. He wears fly racing. So, yeah, he anything he does good out there, I'm going to be happy about. But he was better than I expected. So that's a really positive sign for a race that he has just not done well at. And, and I, I've seen more shaking of his head at that one race than any other race of the year. Maybe Hangtown would be the other one. Um, so for him to be passing, moving forward, passing Roxon, passing Anderson, passing lots of guys, uh, that's, that's great. Uh, I was hoping he would jump into the podium there and, and reel Webb in. As I was hoping Webb would be a little, little tired at the end, but Webb held strong. But, hey, fourth place, you got to take it. You're, you know what A1's like, and, and it's so unpredictable. So fourth place is a huge step forward. Great job by Blake. And it only makes me wonder – if he gets on a roll, what the potential could be. So great job for those guys. I was happy for the team to, uh, to leave with a positive result. Um, but yeah, we're going to, uh, going to see what the year brings for him. It, it was not a great 2019, even with his first ever supercross win, it was not a great 2019. So positive step forward for those guys. Uh, a few things I wanted to cover on technique, um, going back to Adam Cincerillo. Um, he was, really really great in a few sections and when he just does things that when he was on his 250 I really didn't see him doing um he he rides the 450 in a really low rpm and and similarly to how Ken Roxon does but he didn't do that on the 250 and I love watching it I could never do that I rode a 450 high rpm and all the ways you shouldn't um so I I can really appreciate it and it went back to how it didn't look like really Adam was trying so hard. <laughs> if you watched, if you watched Justin Barsha and his technique, and you watched uh, Adam Cincerillo, or if you could hear their bikes, they would sound totally different. Barsha has gone back to his high RPM, high aggression style, and it seems to be working. Adam Cincerillo is not that guy. So. For me, watching someone ride a 450, and I'm using air quotes, how you're supposed to, you know, like David Billman would say, or somebody that has ridden at a high level, they would they would tell you that's how you're supposed to ride it. Hot, taller gear, low RPM, let the bike work and carry momentum. Not everybody can do it that way. Uh, like I said, Barsha doesn't seem to want to do it that way, and it worked for him this Saturday, uh, but AC is doing it. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out for him. It, it's just something I've noticed as he switched from the 250 to the 450, his riding style and his, I don't want to say aggression level, 
but it's just the way he's riding the motorcycle has definitely shifted and it's uh it's just a cool little wrinkle and you wonder how much he's absorbed from ken Roxon's style on the 450 and how much that's translated over so just something to keep your eye on another thing i want to mention our awesome sponsors uh pirelli tires has come on board uh, i mentioned before i i ended my uh, my career on pirelli tires and they were working on you know we were really trying to improve our, our supercross settings tire wise back then and those guys were so all in you know and that was during the time that james stewart was on pirelli tires and they were doing so much testing they were shipping stuff they were literally flying people up from the factory with tires you know on the like checked on the plane to to get better um so for them to be back in this racing environment and and with the uh, the jgr suzuki team is, is exciting i'm happy to see them out there uh you saw those guys uh both norin and uh jimmy dakotas qualified in the 450 class so that was cool to see them out there and, and in the main event i know that was a big step for both of those guys to be in the main event you saw amart hey he whole shot of the heat race in the uh the 250 heat race that's a big deal all you guys that you know out there that have been critical of the suzuki steve mathis i'm talking to you uh he's done a great he he nailed the whole shot that's a, that's awesome that's a huge step forward uh amart had a horrific first lap or i believe it was the first lap of the main event so that really set his results back um but yeah they uh those pirelli tires got him off to a good start so thanks to josh whitmire and all those guys and uh i think they have a bright bright future uh with the work ethic they have uh, also Blenzol oils uh those guys are back and they're better than ever they're really making their mark in the uh, the two-stroke world. These guys have been around forever. I mean, they were the name in oils for all the drag racing guys. And you go back and you look at old pictures of races, you'll see Blenzol banners everywhere. Uh, I mean, th- this is a company with just steeped in history, tradition. So give them a look. There's a lot of options in the, the oil, oil market. I get it. Uh, but if you're a two-stroke guy specifically, go out and get some uh, number 460 green label. That's premix racing oil for uh, for all you guys out there. If you're listen, everybody's riding a two stroke these days. If I was going to go buy a motorcycle today, I was go, I would go buy a 125 two stroke. It's the most fun motorcycle I believe you can ride, bar none. So uh, there's also the number 455 Ultra. It's a premix or injection two two cycle caster. Try this stuff out. Uh, I, I really am excited to help those guys reinvent themselves and get back into relevance and get back in the public eye. Uh, I, I like companies that have been around forever and they have new new energy and a newfound desire to get uh, to get back in the mix. So excited to have Pirelli and Blenzol uh, aboard. Uh, Fly Racing, listen, you guys know I'm involved with Fly Racing, right? It's literally all I think about most of the time. Um, formula helmet is the forefront of that. Go check it out. Formula.flyracing.com. Come by the races. We have really great interactive, um, pieces and things you can see. Check out the Rion material that we have. There's stuff that explains all the science behind that. There's videos that do a great job from A to Z to answer questions. All of our representatives are there. Myself being one, we'll be happy to walk you through any of the products you have questions on. Really, we just want to get you more familiar with the products. Uh, WPS dealers, you're always welcome at our hospitality areas at every Supercross. Uh, we love having you guys. You guys are, you know, you you guys are what make Fly Racing go. 
so we we are more than excited to be a part of uh, Monster Energy Supercross again for 2020. And uh, like I said, please, please come check us out at the races. That's what we're there for. Literally, we have all of this time and effort and money dumped into these races just to interact with you guys and engage with you guys. So please take the time to come over and uh, heck, you might even learn something. So uh, getting into some more stuff. Some of you are not going to like this, but I'm going to talk about Pulpamex Fantasy. Fantasy is one of those things where you either probably love it or hate it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And even if you play, you still might hate it. So that's where I'm at. I love it. And then as soon as my riders hit the track, I hate it because they break my heart every single time. Case in point this weekend, Luke Clout. Uh, having a great main event. Everything going swimmingly. Just how I want it. Super smooth, safe safe day, right? No stress. We're all good. Oh, yeah. Luke Cloud riding by himself, decides to crash, and then DNF. Awesome. Fantastic. Really, really excited about it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he got me virtually no points. So that was awesome. Um, but otherwise, it wasn't too terrible. Um, my 250 guys, I had the two highest scoring 250. 250 guys in Christian Craig and Michael Weeb. So that was pretty decent. I, I was happy with both of those guys. Uh, and then I had Senor, I don't know why I made him Spanish because he's French, Dylan Ferrandis. Uh, he got me the max points as well. So good job from him. And then at the aforementioned Luke Clout, uh, he really pooped the bed. So that sucked. But it was uh, not a terrible day. Uh, my 450 team wasn't, eh, it was okay, I guess. But I, was hoping for more, but I, I did play it super safe. I mean, with my team, what are you really hoping for? I had three all-stars, three of them, count them three. I had Cincerillo, Rox, and Tomac as my all-stars. Only one of them got a lot of points, but with three all-stars, what are you really hoping for? You know, I really thought I had a good chance of getting 26 points from each guy. That just wasn't the case. Um, Roxon and Tomac kind of pooped the bed. Not a great result for either one of them, 19 and 17 points. Um, and then Brayton's little tip over there with, uh, with Anderson cost me some more points. So a little bit of a bummer. Not a great 450 showing. But honestly, the picks were so dang hard, I didn't really know what to do. I was so scared of guys like Jimmy D and Norin and Chad and these guys having a bad night, you know, Chris Blows. And a lot of those guys didn't pay off. That, that was kind of how the night went. So there wasn't huge scores to be had. With your highest scorer getting getting 32 points, uh, that kind of tells you what the night was like. The third highest scorer was 26. I mean, that's super telling. Uh, so, Paul Parabinos, great job with the handicaps. You made it way too difficult, by the way. So, Fantasy, great opening weekend. If you guys have never played it, please check it out. If you are playing it, then you know my frustrations, and you also know how fun it is. Uh, so, as we roll into St. Louis, what are we looking for? I think it's going to be who can bounce back. Uh, everybody got a taste of what the season's going to be like. Uh, Cincerolo was really the big story to me, even though Barsha won the race. I think Cincerolo was the story. And then you look at the other side of the coin and another head-scratching start from Tomac. You wonder what the season's going to be like for Roxon. Because I don't know. He, he said the bike was not right. I'll take him at his word. I think he deserves to be taken at his word. But let's be real, all of us, every single one of us, as he was moving backwards at the end of the race, were wondering if this was, sh this was shades of 2019 with his Epstein bar. I don't know. I'm not saying it is. 
I want to make that very, very clear. I'm not saying he's still sick or has remnants of that, but I'll be damned if I wasn't wondering it, and I'm, I'm probably still wondering it. So I'm going to need him to come out and show me a really strong main event here at some point to shake off you know, any uh, lingering thoughts that he's still he's still battling it. It just wasn't very comforting if you're a Ken Roxon fan to see him going backwards yet again at the first race of the year. Tomac, dude, get arm pump surgery, something, right? Like, you're way too good to be riding around in seventh place. Way too good. You've won, what, 27 or 28 races? I mean, come on, man. Like, you're, you're better than that. I, I don't have any vested interest. I'm not necessarily an Eli Tomac fan, but... I do think he's better than what we saw this weekend, so I'll be looking for him to, to bounce back, maybe now that the pressure's off a little bit. But if I had to pick a title contender right now that I would, you know, just to hitch my wagon to for the rest of the season, after what I saw this weekend, I'm going Cooper Webb. And I have not, I have not been Cooper Webb wagon hitcher ever. Um, I like Coop. He's always been cool to me, but I just – I don't know. I don't know what my deal is. I didn't pick him for the title ever. I didn't pick him this year again. But for him to overcome that sickness and ride through all that stuff and, you know, having the number one plate and expectation and all that stuff and to come out with a third place, uh uh-oh, that's that's literally what I left thinking for all those guys was, uh uh-oh, because he looks poised and ready to make life very, very difficult on these guys again in 2020. He just puts so much pressure on these guys. If you can't beat him when he's sick at the first race and he's got the weight of a championship hanging on him, what are you going to do with him when he feels great and he's he's got all his confidence rolling again? That's that's what I was looking at. I would be very, very nervous about letting him roll on in here. And he comes out and he's healed up and feels good and, and puts a win on the board at St. Louis. It's obviously not over. That that would be silly to say it's over, but holy cow, we could be we could be in for uh, a big run here. So things to watch there. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of uh, of Anderson. He rode pretty well. I don't I don't think he's going to be you know the title guy he was in 2018. I've made mention of that several times, but he was he was okay. Not a bad result. He's fine. Um, so let's just run through my power ranking real quick. Number ten. Took a significant step back this weekend, but he was sick. Huge crashes. I'm, I'm just glad he's okay. Zach Osborne is number 10. Uh, I mean, he had a day. I'm sure he wished he could see just forget. Uh, nothing went well for Zach. He was in the LCQ. He was way back in the main event. It just wasn't good. wasn't a good day for Zach. So for him, he's probably just going to want to press the reset button and start over at St. Louis and make that round one. Number nine, Mookie Malcolm Stewart, which matches his result in the main event. Uh, not a bad day, not a great day. It was okay. Not a terrible start to the series. So I'm sure he's he's good with it. We'll just move on and get into St. Louis and uh, keep the ball rolling. I have Brayton at number eight, which is very boring that it matches his result, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, I had him higher, but I'm I'm a little worried about this this off season thing that I keep harping on. How is he going to be at the end of main events? But he was good. He was uh yeah he was he was fine. You know, eighth place in the main events, just fine. Number seven, this is uh, this isn't good. I have Eli Tomac at number seven. I was very down on Eli. I, I just didn't like what I saw. He never flashed to me. I didn't see anything good. I didn't see speed in the heat race. I didn't see speed in the main event. I didn't see anything of the Eli Tomac I'm used to. 
So for him to be number seven on my power ranking, that's pretty reflective of what I saw from him. I know what he's capable of. I know what he's probably going to do later in the series, but this is this is all fluid week to week, and after what I watched this weekend, I have him number seven. I have Roxon at six, and some of these guys, are, some of these are reflective of the result. I, I apologize for that. I know that's boring, but uh, it's going to change. Uh, Roxon six, you know, the bike setting thing, the is he still sick, is he not thing. Uh, I'm waiting to see on Roxon. I picked him to win last weekend. He was my pick on several platforms. I sprayed it all over the internet and everywhere you could listen and read what I have to say. I picked Roxon. And yeah, he didn't, he didn't deliver. So we'll see what he's got, uh, come five days in, uh, in St. Louis. Uh, number five is Jason Anderson. Pretty good day. Like I said, not bad, not great. He's fine. Chasing, chasing back it there. I was surprised he didn't get aggressive with Blake. He's normally that guy where he's just, if he's anywhere near Blake Baggett, he's going to blast him out of the way. He didn't do that. So I like to see a little bit more, more mature riding from Anderson, and maybe he just wasn't feeling it. You know, generally, when you see somebody get really aggressive like that, it's because they are impatient and they know they have more pace, and maybe that guy's holding him from setting a lap time he's capable of and, and moving forward. So maybe he just felt like Blake's pace was good enough, like he didn't feel like he was holding him up. So, um, yeah, decent ride, nothing crazy, though. Blake Baggett was four just as he finished more boring. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's a lot better than I had Blake penciled in last week. So big steps forward from him. Let's see if he can get this thing going. New dad, new motivations. Um, they seem much more confident with the bike now. So pumped for him. I have AC at three. So at least it's not what he finished. Um, and the only reason I have AC at three is just a little bit of inexperience still. Uh, I think he could have won that main event if he had just stayed a little bit more calm. And, and that's asking a lot, your first ever 450 main event, which also happens to be A1. I know that's asking way too much of a young young kid. Uh, but that's the only reason I have him at three and not further ahead. Number two, Justin Bam Bam Barsha. Huge move up in the useless, nobody cares about power ranking that I have here. Uh, but he went all the way up to number two after his fantastic Anaheim one. That's two Anaheim ones in a row for him. And <laughs> the funny thing is, is I don't know who represents him anymore. I used to know, uh, have a have an inkling, but I don't want to get it wrong. So <laughs> the funny thing is, I bet you his agent is blowing people up right now for a deal for 2021. And it's way too early to be doing anything like that in this sport. But you, you know he's doing it, right? You got to strike while the iron's hot. You got all the leverage. Let's get a deal done. So I'm sure the team managers are just hitting the red button on their iPhones when when uh, Barsha's agent is calling first race of the year. But uh, yeah, that's what their job is. They got to get a deal done, and uh, he's doing what it takes. You're in a contract year, and you're not sure what the future holds. Winning races uh, makes that life a lot easier. So good job by him. Number one, so last guy left, Cooper Webb, and you're gonna look at me and go, what? How in the hell do you have Cooper Webb number one? Well, it's very simple. He had everything going against him on Saturday. He had the flu, couldn't even breathe. He had no energy. He's got the weight of the world coming in with the number one red plate on his bike. He went out there and got it done. He got third place. He's better than last year. He was strong at the end of the race, didn't succumb to the pressure. He actually moved forward. After he moved back at the beginning, he ended up moving back forward. 
it was just a really impressive ride from him. And and maybe all you guys at home didn't see it the same way I did, but I was I was truly blown away by his ride. Think about this: he and Zach Osborne both had the same same flu, same illness, same whatever. Look how Zach's days went. He crashed his brains out. He felt terrible. Didn't look that great either. Ended up, I think, what, 14th in the main event. And then Cooper, with the same ailments, comes out and puts it on the podium, right? So that that was why it was so impressive to me. And I just have all the respect in the world for that ride. And he's slowly winning me over. And like I said, uh, he's now my title pick. And it's, it's fluid. I'll, I'm going to bounce around probably. And that's okay. It's my podcast, I guess. Uh, but good job by Coop. So he's he's the leader of the pack on the power rankings. Email time. So I only got a couple emails this week, and I did take them into account. Uh, but I do want you guys to email me. Here's the uh, the incentive. We're going to give away some, uh, some products. Uh, I'll pick some fly racing products to give away. We're going to give away some Pirelli tires for your dirt bike. So send me your email. Send me your questions. Uh, talk about the race. The best email that I get this week is going to get a set of Pirelli dirt bike tires. Um, working with the boys over there, they want to give some product away and get their get their tires on some dirt bikes. So you become a loyal Pirelli customer. That's what it's all about. So email me, Jason36 at AOL.com. Yes, I use AOL. That's fine. You can laugh. Uh, Jason36 at AOL.com. Let me know what's up. Uh, ask questions. Give me feedback. And uh, I'm going to randomly pick an email that I like, and I'm going to announce it on the show and email you back, and we're going to set you up with uh, some Pirelli tires for next week. The following week, I'll probably do, uh, I don't know, we'll pick something, fly racing offers to, uh, to hook you up with. So that's it for episode two. I'm excited, man. It's, it's just fun for me. And like I said, guys, I'm not a professional podcaster. I'm having fun with this. I've been around this sport my whole life. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day. I've only missed around five races, five or six races in 30 years. Um, so let that sink in. <laughs> I, I've been going to these races and watching for a long time. And, yeah, I just have an opinion like everybody else, right? That doesn't make me right on these things. I've just seen a lot and, and, and learned a lot from a lot of smart people. I've been very fortunate to be around a lot, a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me and have been doing this for a lot longer than me. So I'm just, I try to apply that wisdom and share things that I, I saw in the pits, right? There was a lot of things that, like I said, if you've never been day one that you didn't get to see, um, things and talk and gossip and who's going where. And that's, that's going to be the fun stuff as the silly season gets going, who was mad at who and who's talking about leaving where and all that good stuff. So we'll get into more of that as the season gets going. A1 is just a, it's a mess. Honestly, I don't think I ever stopped moving the entire day other than when I got to watch bikes on the track. I literally never stopped walking from place to place. So it was a chaotic day for me. I'm happy it's over. I promise you that every single rider in the pits is relieved that A1 is done and we get to move on, get to move on to a normal race in St. Louis. It's just, (laughs) it's a sigh of relief. As exciting as it is, I was so, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I was so thrilled to walk into the hotel and just be done with A1. I walked in, I walked straight to the bar, and I ordered my favorite adult beverage, and I just sat there for a minute and took a deep breath and said, okay, we're done with A1. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's such an awesome sport. We're into, we're into round two, so I will uh, talk to you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you listening. See you.